thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food reel with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. team and welcome back to The Real Food Real. Today on the show, I'm super excited to be joined by John Fung from Morph Performance. John is or was an elite athlete and is now the head coach and master sports scientist at Morph Performance. Today, John and I are going to cover all things testing for athletes and this is going to be a really, really educational episode. Hi, John, and welcome to the show. Hey, Steph. Thanks for having me on board. Really excited to share your knowledge. Um, Just a bit of a background before we dive in. You and I obviously met when I was in Sydney um, earlier this year, and it was so great to chat with you and just learn about what you're up to and and certainly what your plans for the future are. So I just had to get you on the show to share both, you know, your story and your knowledge with my audience. So we'd love to, or we're looking forward to hearing more. But before we do, can you set the scene for us with your background story? Ah, okay. Um, well, basically, I started out uh, as an elite athlete, uh, particularly in the sport of uh, swimming um, for quite a number of years, uh, long-distance swimming. And then I actually moved on uh, into the sport of triathlons because uh, I got bored of swimming 15 kilometers a day every day. <laughs> and, um, you know, I uh, raced as an elite triathlete for many, many years um, and uh, retired about, about 15, 10, 10, 15 years ago, probably somewhere between 10 to 15 years ago, I retired um, and, um, you know, started looking at different ways, uh, you know, in which I could continue my passion for sport. Um, so for me, I went, I got, I, I went to the States and I studied, uh, over at the University of Southern California and, uh, studied, uh, kinesiology, which is, uh, sports science over there and, uh, really fell in love with, uh, learning a little, learning more about the human body. And I think that's where I kind of got my calling in terms of, uh, trying to see how we, you know, how I could, what I could do to help. Um, elevate uh, the performance of uh, of athletes, in particular endurance athletes. Yeah, so uh, that's that's me. And then I spent uh, uh, you know many years working with uh, you know e- you know everyday athletes, Olympic athletes, uh, and really just uh, you know delving in and looking at the science, looking at the data, and looking at how um, you know they they as individuals responded you know to different types of training, um, which is probably some of the stuff that we're going to chat about anyway today. Yeah, absolutely. And I just love the scientific approach that you do take to your coaching. You know, I think that so it's so comprehensive and really, really important for athletes to be exposed to all facets of training and, and certainly a more holistic approach, which I know um, you do in terms of your nutrition advice and, and so on. So obviously morph performance was what you then set up to be able to work with athletes individually and you've got some bigger plans moving forward. So just from a brief overview, tell us more about Morph and where it's located and, and set the scene in regards to that for us. All right. Um, Morph Performance. Oh, uh, this, I started this company um, just over a year ago. Uh, and why did I start? Um, basically, I, I worked as a practitioner for many years, you know, um, you know, in the labs, working with athletes. And I think, um, you know, when I started this company, it was really to enable uh, athletes to understand more about their body. You know, that's that's one of the reasons why I started it. Um, it's because, you know, when I do testing in the lab, when I work with athletes, a large part of what I do, and, you know, same thing with the staff that I train, is to, is to enable and to empower athletes to understand their physiology. Um, and this is where, you know, the testing that we do, it's a, it's a great teaching mechanism that can allow athletes to, to take charge and to obviously um, to get more value and more, um, 
you know, to, to derive uh, and to take a to, to take more ownership of their training and obviously to make uh, improvements and to progress. Uh, more performance, uh, you know, um, was really about transformation. When I came up with the brand and the name, it, you know, it was really, you know, the vision was to help athletes transform. Um, be it you could come in as a complete uh, couch potato and want to run your first 5K, we will help you with that. If you, you know, if you want to make the transition from, uh, you know, doing a sprint triathlon and, you know, to doing an Olympic distance or, you know, a half Ironman to an Ironman or marathon to ultra marathon. I mean, you name it, we, we can do it. And we work with athletes of, of all levels and caliber as well. Um, with MOF performance, I mean, again, it's, not, it's about bringing science um, to uh, the athletes out there. Right. And yeah. it's about teaching, it's education and, and, and basically just giving them, you know, uh, you know, all those numbers uh, and not a lot. It's not about, about being over over the top with those numbers, but it's about giving them relevant numbers that's specific to helping them improve. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. So yeah. really, yeah, backed by scientific data, but certainly not being, you know, too overwhelming especially for the beginner so walk us through the journey in the example of of the couch potato that might set the goal of their first 5k what would their experience be say they contact you they want to work with you walk us through what this what the process looks like for that individual well okay um well when I set up in Sydney again, we, we set up uh, we have labs here. Um, we have different locations where we run uh, what we call satellite labs. Uh, these are us- they're all in uh, different practices um, where you know it's an additional service, and that's where I practice out of. Uh, same with my the staff that I have. So if, if someone were to want to train for a five k, for example, and they came in and said, you know, uh, most of the time they wouldn't know where to start. Mm. So for me, the best way uh, to help someone in that situation is to really understand where we're starting from, right? To get the baseline numbers. And, um, you know, it's really about taking the guesswork out of training. Mm. Uh, a lot of times people get very um, disheartened or they, don't, they, get, they get stuck. They don't know what they should do first or in what order or, you know, where do they start from? Like, what is their current ability? So getting them through the lab is typically the best way um you know it's not for everybody but you know if the person that was coming to me was really serious about wanting to make that change definitely getting lab testing done uh and getting those baseline numbers uh measured right and and then based on that we know how to we, we can establish the starting point and from there um i have a training system that we would actually sit down and build that actually uh, builds the training program that will take them through uh, the different phases of development um, and to help them prepare for their race. So it depends on how much time they have. And obviously, if, you know, it wasn't realistic, we would, you know, I would sit down and have a chat with them, uh, you know, to, 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 you know, just to spell it out and to let them know that, you know, if they wanted to achieve this, they need to have, you know, based on their ability, they would need to have X amount of time, you know, to properly prepare for it. Yeah, that and then makes a lot of sense. Off the end, yeah, and if they go, you know, um, yeah, uh, I mean, we'll talk probably about the technology later, mm. uh, but it, it's essentially, you know, I, I try to really make it easy for them. Uh, you know, a lot of times, again, the big challenge is that there's so much information out there uh, or, uh, you know, the people that are wanting to make this change uh, tend to be not very well informed of, you know, how to start, what to do. So yeah. they often don't start because they don't know. Right. And, you know, they procrastinate. Yeah. So we try to make it easy for them and very clear and simple in, in such a way that it's actionable and it is manageable as well. Yeah, I think it's great that you've got options. I mean, as you say, we'll talk more about the lab and, and what you have on offer. But obviously the, the coaching and that personalized approach is where, you know, you want to then teach someone how to train really efficiently rather than it being, you know, quite generic or high volume. So talk to us more about your coaching philosophies. Okay. Um, there's actually, um, this is it's an interesting, interesting story. So t- um, when I started, you know, practicing and I started to, to do a lot of work, uh, quite a fair bit of work with athletes, uh, one of the things that I found um, that was very effective as, uh, as a practitioner and as a coach was uh, training by heart rate. Um, and if you go back 10 years ago, 
um, training by heart rate, people will kind of give you a weird look, right? It's like, what is this heart rate thing? And even today, it's actually very interesting because, uh, you know, when I go out, I give talks and I, and I meet people, you know, and I ask them, first thing I ask them is, do you own, do you have a heart rate device? And most people would have one. And I ask them, the next question I'll ask them is, you know, um, do you use a heart rate function? A lot of times, some of them say, yeah, they nod their head and they kind of have this kind of like sheepish grin that, you know, yeah, I look at it, but I kind of don't really understand what it is. Uh, and then there are some that don't, absolutely don't use it. And they actually use the, these devices um, to just track uh, running pace and use the GPS function and stuff like that. Um, so training by heart rate is very important. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the key aspects to, to training smart. Um, when you train by heart rate, you basically listen. It, you know, using a heart rate monitor is the device that will allow your body to talk to you, right? To speak to you and to let you know how it's feeling on a day-to-day -day basis. So when it, re it responds to the environment, it responds to the training that you've done over the past couple of days. It, uh, you know, and all these things are very important to improving your quality of training. Um, the, the, the main issue out there is that people don't understand what that number is. And, uh, you know, that's why they come and see me and it allows me to establish those baseline numbers. And then from there, you know, it's very easy to prescribe training. And this is the, the big part about how I manage my athletes. Um, you know, if I told you to run in zone two, right, a lot of people and, and let's say we describe zone two to be uh, at conversational pace. Um, most people, conversational pace is very subjective yeah. <laughs> right it, it differs for everybody uh whereas if i told you that based on the numbers and based on your results your zone two is one 130 to 145 beats per minute then we've established the limits in which you would train it within that zone um training and heart rate zones also the different zones will give you different physiological benefits so you know a lower zone will focus on fat burning aerobic efficiency upper end zones will focus on uh, cardiovascular development you know vo2 max stuff like that right um, so you know there are different there's a place for different types of intensities but it's very uh, if it's not pegged to a heart rate zone it can be rather subjective uh, if it's just based on feel so that's one of the things. The next one is um, strength endurance, right? Uh, understanding, you know, how to develop and how to get stronger. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot, very often athletes are very focused on becoming uh, speed demons. <laughs> They're obsessed with speed, um, but they fail to realize that, especially in endurance sport, um, it's not about how fast you go. It's about how strong you are and able to sustain, uh, sustain an optimum speed, um, you know, I often like to use the analogy that if I asked you to run uh, a lap on the track, 400 meters, uh, as fast as you can, you could run it pretty quick. But if I asked you to run that five, for five laps continuous, would you be able to sustain that speed that you would have for one lap for five? Um, answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> Usually you wouldn't. Um, because, you know, it's not because you don't have the speed, but because you don't have the strength endurance to sustain that. So that's another uh, big factor that I look at. And, you know, the last one essentially is, you know, when you train, you train on time rather than distance. Um, it's a big part of, of how I manage my athletes. And distance, again, the reason why we use time rather than distance is because if I asked you to run five kilometers, right, and there were two, two routes. One was five kilometers up the mountain and the other one was five kilometers down the mountain. Mm. Um, the effort level is very different, right? Even though the distance is the same. So, again, if you train based on distance, you essentially don't um, accommodate for the, the kind of terrain that you're running on. And a lot of times it can be counterproductive because, you know, you might be doing too much and pushing yourself over the edge uh, by doing too much, trying to chase that mileage in that sense. So if you put all three, these are the three key pillars. If you put them all together... Essentially, what we do is that um, we, we advocate training, you know, with heart rate on time. So what, that ha what happens there is that, you know, on days that you're not, you know, on days that you're not feeling so good, your heart rate is going to be elevated. So because you're sticking to a zone, you will run slower, right? Yeah. Just to stick to that zone. And again, because we're based on time and not distance, you actually run a shorter distance and you don't overcompensate and you don't overtrain. 
Um, why is this important? It's because a lot of times people tend to, you know, they're not feeling well, they're not feeling as great, but you know, I just want to get it done, mm-hmm. right? So I go out and I hammer that, that 5Ks on the treadmill or on the track and, and get, get it done. And what happens following that is the next day they wake up and they have a scratchy throat and, you know, all the symptoms of falling ill uh, start to surface, right? Which already was picked up by an elevated heart rate the day before. But because they did not manage that particular session well, they ended up what we call overreaching, right? Or over just burning that candle out, burning that matchstick up and ending up either, you know, getting sick, for example. Um, And again, the other part on the strength endurance side is building resilience. So this is something that I'm a huge advocate of is getting stronger, building that resilience, uh, that ability to tolerate training. Um, A lot of times people just... You know, they don't condition themselves. And because of that, they can't handle training. So if you put the combination of harder, faster with, you know, and do it with a high frequency and very often, then they're going to end up either sick or broken pretty much. (laughs) Yes, which unfortunately sounds like far too many endurance athletes to me. So I love what you're doing. And I think it's a really, really important message. I mean, it rolls off your tongue, obviously, because you live and breathe it. But it's actually, you know, quite the opposite to what a lot of athletes have been exposed to. So I do want, you know, athletes that can identify that maybe they are doing more or or trying to always go faster to appreciate that there is another way. And it's always about training smarter, not harder. So I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the perfect catchphrase. (laughs) Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so I can see why you were so excited when Dr. Phil Maffetone was in town because obviously his heart rate methodology, I can see, very much runs through your coaching philosophies. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, he, he had a massive impact on, um, you know, how, how I manage my athletes or how I started with everything, even, you know, on the concept of uh, uh, metabolic or aerobic efficiency. I mean, that's such a huge uh, a huge um, uh, it plays such a huge part in in how I you know how I nurture and groom my athletes as mm. well and, and and again you know uh, it, it's it's gone full circle like you know Phil talked about it in you know some of the episodes that he you know when you interviewed him about how 10 15 years ago you know you talk about going slower and everybody would give you this kind of like crazy look it, it's it's so funny I'm, I'm from Singapore and um, you know, in Singapore, people you know people tend to be very. Um, it's a, it's a very fast paced society. Yeah. And and you know we're not the you know and, and we're not the most advanced when it comes to 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 sport science training and stuff like that. And and everything is is kind of like very old school. And and that's and it, you know it's interesting. It's it's how I started as an athlete as well. You know when I you know look back and how I trained, I mean I just did it completely opposite of what I'm advocating now you know back in the day like early days where you know it was just like you know harder faster and you just got to push yourself i mean granted i was 20 20 20 plus years younger <laughs> yeah, i was able to recover a lot better but again you know with the everyday person with nowadays they they all you know late 30s or mid 30s you know up to 40s and above and and they all have family they have work they have commitments they, you know and they don't have the kind of you know, energy levels that we used to have when, you know, we were 20 years, 20 years old, you know. Yeah. And um, so it, it, it plays such a huge part in, in terms of management of athletes and how they develop as well and how they progress, uh, you know. And that's, you know, ties into the concept of training smarter. I mean, you know, we all have a certain limit. We all love to think that we are superhuman, <laughs> but, you know, the fact of the matter is we, we're not right, and we all have a certain uh, threshold. So it's about working within those means and making sure that we come up, you know, with a positive outcome, and then we keep improving on that as well. So it doesn't mean that we're limited by our abilities, but it means that we need to strategize on how we approach uh, training and our development uh, in order to enable ourselves to do more, you know, in the years to come. And again, it's sustainability, right? Uh, the simple rule is if you're consistent with your training and you're doing it right, you will improve. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I love that it's going full circle, like you say. I mean, we know that Phil Maffetone was working with Mark Allen in the early 90s and it's taken the rest of us this long to realize that there is another way. So 
very happy to hear that you're spreading this message far and wide. So what I wanted to move on to next was to learn more about the lab. So talk to us about that section of morph performance and what testing and customization you have available for athletes. Okay, cool. Um, so morph performance is a sports science technology company, but we talk about the sports science side first. So for me, again, you know, when I was racing as an athlete, I, as an elite athlete, I never had much, um, you know, sports science. Back then, this was like the 1990s. Yeah. So there wasn't much sports science available. Uh, when we moved into the era of the, of the, you know, past the, you know, in the years 2000 and above, that then it started to, you know, they started to incorporate a little science into sport. Uh, and that's where we, you know, I started done on me and that kind of sparked my interest so when i set up the the lab it was really about bringing what was available to to the athletes to the everyday person because again it's so much information that you can get about an individual's abilities and use and, and again it's about using that that information as well to to get better right so you know ba- again based on phil's uh, influence uh, you know there was two Things, things that I when I started working and my area of specialization um, as a kinesiologist or exercise physiologist is uh, the area of metabolic testing. So um, I've oh, I've done I'd say more than ten thousand metabolic like, tests <laughs> today. Probably like I think a lot more than that. Uh, and again, seen all kinds of results. You know, I've worked with uh, Olympic athletes, uh, you know, everyday people, and everybody is different. And, um, you know, everybody has a chance to develop that system. So in terms of, um, you know, the test and, and oh, back to the point of aerobic efficiency, um, there, there are two tests that I would recommend. A lot of times people will come in, you know, and this is, is sometimes people still ask me, but now it's a lot less. It used to be the case that people come in and say, I want to get a VO2 max test done. Right, and that's that's your typical staple before, and uh, the first question I, I, I asked them is like, what what do you what do you want to do a VO two max test for? And they said, oh, because I want to be able to train right and improve my performance. So, and then I I, I retort right, and I said, you know, um, how's that gonna help? Like, you know, with the information? And they said, you know, I'm not too sure, but you know, at least if I get some data, I might be able to use that, you know, in the training that I do, right, and to be able to sort of measure where I'm at in terms of, uh, you know, my performance, uh, you know, and the improvements that I'm making. So then I share with them, I said, VO2 max testing, okay, what it does is it actually looks at um, the size of your engine, right? So how much horsepower you can generate, um, you know, but it doesn't mean that you're more efficient as an athlete. So, you know, a lot of times I talk them out of doing it. Uh, We still do VO2 max testing, but we usually cater for an athlete that's already done the other tests and then they really want to have... Uh, that data that could, you know, sup- supplement with the, the other data that we've already collected. Um, so with the size of their engine, so how do I, you know, why, why is, why is um, you know, looking at aerobic efficiency more important than looking at the size, uh, you know, or the capacity of your engine? Um, the bigger engine you have, it doesn't mean that you're running efficiently. So someone, you know, and I think Phil may have shared this in one of his episodes that you could have, uh, you know, the biggest engine, but if you're not efficient, you're not going to go very far in an, in an endurance race versus someone who um, has a smaller size engine, but it's very efficient at using it. So the two tests that we primarily promote uh, and recommend, uh, one of them is a fuel efficiency test. Uh, fuel efficiency essentially looks at your body's ability to use fat versus carbohydrates right and uh, what we look at is um, we look at basically at it's a it's a progressive test so we start at a very low intensity and then we gradually increase the intensity uh, as we go along in terms of time Uh, and we look at one the heart rate response so how hard the body's working and second we look at the gas exchange ratio and we look at how the body uses um, the rate at which it uses fats uh, versus uh, carbohydrates so that's the first one. Second one is lactate threshold testing. So that one, we look at uh, an individual's ability to clear and buffer lactate. And then, you know, that tells us uh, basically how much uh, lactic acid they're also generating. Uh, and essentially, based on that uh, threshold point, we will be able to determine what their training zones would be uh, to gain the different benefits from working within each zone, in, in, you know, when they do their training programs. 
yeah. So these are the two tests, lactate threshold and fuel efficiency. Beautiful. Yeah, so I think a lot of our audience will be familiar <clears throat> with fuel efficiency. We, they might be more familiar with the term metabolic efficiency testing. But regardless, I think the main difference that um, you prioritize in this regard is that you do a submaximal test. So can you just take me through why it doesn't need to be maximal? Because I think a lot of my audience are used to doing that metabolic efficiency testing via a VO2. So it can be quite overwhelming for some people to have to run until they fall off the back of a treadmill, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, 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 or puke into a truck bucket. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I think in this day and age, okay, so again, this is a very interesting topic to talk about. Uh, mm. Back in the day when I was being uh, the, the lab guinea pig, pig and being tested as an athlete, and said, you know, and the left of the other scientists, um, they used to run uh, the VO2 max test together with a lactate threshold test, actually, at the same time. And it was both just basically a maximum test. So separating the two, and this applies to just both tests in, in general, why we, we now choose to do submaximal testing. Um, again, the big, you know, it's all because of aerobic efficiency. <laughs> you know, when you're going out and you're doing uh, an endurance race, uh, you're not really operating at that kind of intensity, you know. So how is it relevant to to push yourself at that at that rate and and try to measure that response? It, it's just not, you know, it's not as applicable as you know looking at the lower end spectrum of those intensities. Correct. So that was the main. That's one of the main reasons why um, you know we kind of made the switch of changing the protocols. Um, the other is obviously um, you know at a, at high intensities like if if the test protocol was too aggressive, and this is the main thing, you kind of miss all the important points in the middle mm. uh, where they give you, they're so rich in data, <laughs> right? And it's kind of like you just want to jump into the deep end of the pool and just get whatever's at the end, but you, you miss out all the important uh, things that can tell you so much about uh, an individual's uh, physiology in that middle, like what we call the sweet spot or, or, or gray area, you know? And, and that's essentially what, uh, when we do submaximal testing, we really expand on that area and we study it. We look at you know the changes in 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 the readings and stuff like that that happen, uh, you know, in a very progressive manner rather than being a very steep, um, steep aggressive uh, uh, pro protocol. Yeah, I think that's a really important point because I don't think that education is there enough, at least in Australia, with how the testing's done. You know, it's almost like we're trying to shorten amount of shorten the amount of time a test takes, but then, as you say, we miss all that data in the middle, which is exactly what we need to take away and use in our training. I also speak from experience, where you know, in my sports science degree, I was the subject all the time and I have memories of being that person throwing up into the bucket, and that's not something I necessarily <laughs> want to sign up to. Um, you know, regularly, whereas I did my <laughs> fuel efficiency testing with you in Sydney and it was super easy. Like I, even I was surprised how sub-maximal it was and we still got some, some really useful data. So I think that's really, really important because especially for beginners that have never been exposed to this type of testing, I think it's a great entry point for them to learn about their body and be able to understand more about what their metabolism is doing now and certainly set some goals and, and retest moving forward. Um, but for everyone to be able to utilize this data, you know, you and I throw around the word athlete quite a lot, but it's not just for someone with a goal. I think everyone can benefit from this type of testing so they understand what fuel, whether glucose or fat, their body is burning and how that changes with varying degrees of intensity. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, besides working with athletes, I, I work with everyday people yeah. that are just trying to, to lose weight, get healthy, you know, and, and again, right, it's, it, it needs to be, it needs to be fun. Otherwise, you wouldn't come back for a second round. <laughs> I, I know in my days, oh, I just absolutely dreaded testing. Like, oh, it really wasn't fun. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's great. I mean, people are lucky and fortunate nowadays to have to have you know to, to have you know everything changed and it's so client friendly now mm. you know and, and again it's relevance but most important obviously is the relevance of the data and for most people you know when you talk about 
development as an athlete, you know, most people are, again, you know, they're very um, focused on fancy, sexy workouts, but they often fail to put enough time or energy and focus into developing the fundamental uh, foundational um, processes in the body, which is essentially what we look at in the in the space of uh, submaximal, you know, the submaximal space or the aerobic the aerobic zones, you know, and that basically is the precursor that sets the tone on how far you're gonna go. Because if you have a small base, you're not gonna be able to stack very much on top of it, right? Mm. And that's going to affect the, how much you can progress. But if you actually strategize and spend time, invest in time to build a, a bigger base, you're going to go a lot further than you thought possible, you know, just because you've approached it in the right manner. I absolutely agree. And from your experience, obviously having conducted um, so many of these test are you noticing that a lot of people are actually learning that they do need to slow down and that when you show them where they burn fat and where that optimal aerobic development zone is that they they understand more about how they can actually slow down but still get results which is a foreign concept to a lot of athletes yeah definitely um it's it's it seals the deal. Yeah. <laughs> I like to put it when I show them the, the graph. I mean, you've seen it. You've seen the, the, the graphical depiction of the crossover point mm. and, and all that. And a lot of times, you know, if you just blabber out concepts to people, it's hard to be really convinced. Yes. Where, you know, I just say, oh, you just need to go slower and you're going to burn tons of fat and you're going to get better. And, you know, it's a, it's a big step for people to take because it's so counterintuitive, mm. right? You tell, you tell someone to go slower, like they're out burning those calories it out and put from those you know hard workouts but but you know and then you tell them to do the exact opposite i just tell them go out and just walk in a low heart rate just spend time doing that and it's so again people just are boggled by by that concept if it was, if it was just a, a verbal concept mm. but when they test and i actually show them okay the representation of how the body you know the the, the basically the the, the energy profile, right? How the, how the body shifts from burning fat into burning carbs at the different intensities, they get it straight away. You see, like, they have these, like, kind of, like, light bulb moments, right? Where they go, oh, my goodness, like, that is so obvious now when I look at it and I, I understand. And, and it's a big part of what we do through the lab. It's, it's really about educating people because, you know, again, if, you know, as, as someone who's trying to lose or if someone is trying, you know, to improve, athlete if you go out and you just do training without a purpose then you just i'm still running on the wheel you're not gonna go anywhere right so it's really about understanding and, and training and understand the value in, in in putting and investing that time so that you get a, a good result you know from what you've learned yeah absolutely and i'm sure the same applies from a nutritional standpoint you know a lot of athletes yeah. are being exposed to real food and lower carbohydrates, but many are quite resistant. And this is my experience, but I think certainly when they can see how much sugar they're burning at rest or walking at, you know, speed six, like 10 kilometers an hour on the treadmill, like they can get quite a rude awakening as to what their physiology is doing. And I think that can help feed compliance for dietary change. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, uh, it's amazing how, you know, how just socially, pro social programming has just manipulated the minds of people as to, you know, uh, how, 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 you know, eating and, you know, it's just affected all these things, right? Eating, uh, exercise, lifestyle. Uh, and uh, again, right, we, 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 uh, we, you know, we're trying to change that and, you know, by having scientific evidence and having it straight right in front of them and then being able to see it and, and relate to it, I think that's so important. And, you know, it could be from the exercise standpoint, it could be from the nutritional standpoint. I mean, a large part of, you know, what we talk about is the impact of, of starchy and sugary carbohydrates on, 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 the, on the fat burning uh, process, you know, in the body. And uh, again, you know, it's just getting to them to understand what putting that type of food into the body does. Right and how it how it affects the whole cycle of things and 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 that's you know that's one of the most effective reasons why you know people go out and they make that change because again they understand they get it after you know you working with us and obviously we measure uh, the progress that they're making yeah 
Yeah, I think that's so important. Obviously, the retesting has huge value input to provide the individual with the feedback as to how those changes, like the commitment to changing their nutrition away from the conventional high-carb, high-sugar model, how those benefit your physiology. And I think that's so powerful for someone to see that data. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's definitely uh, the key selling point to make that change. And, you know, it's not an easy change, though. You know, very often with new athletes that I work with, uh, you know, they they complain. They go, oh, my goodness, John, you're making me go so slow. It's, it's you know, very often I hear uh, athletes come back to me, and you know, within the first two weeks of training, and they go, you know, oh, I'll ask them, you know, like, hey, how's your long run? You know, how are things coming along? And they go, you know what? I've got to get used to running at sort of like this granny pace. I've got people that are just like strolling and going like just like much older than me going way faster than me and it's so and they tell me it's so difficult to slow down you know it's like it's and a lot of it has got to do i guess with the ego as well right like everybody's out to to perform and do better right and it's the nature of endurance sport i guess and you force them to go slow and they they just you know they just go they're just absolutely up in arms when it comes to that but you know what's really interesting is that and I, and this happens to everybody pretty much that i've worked with is the longer the long runs, right, which are primarily the best for fat burning, um, you know, are really slow, right? They're all totally aerobic, and they, you know, they hurt the most in the beginning, but eventually they become the the best, most most favorite sessions of all my athletes. They enjoy their long runs, you know, and be, and I think a large part of it is also because they become better fat adapted and they get better conditioned. So when they come back from a two, three hour run, for example, uh, they don't feel bashed up. They've got energy to do other things, you know, and, and not just sit on the couch and go like, oh my gosh, I'm just like flat out. <laughs> exactly. I know. It's crazy that for so long, we've just been looking at how we could annihilate ourselves and the long-term effects of that is essentially leading to people retiring really early from either you know some sort of adrenal dysfunction or chronic injuries when all of that can be avoided oh yeah definitely i mean this is definitely the more sustainable approach and i i think you know um i didn't share this earlier about you know sort of the training philosophy what, what i'm a huge advocate of is long-term athlete development and i think mm. that's something that with any athlete that talks to me that that's asking about my methodologies it's really about a long-term approach i'm not you know, I'm not the sort of guy that will turn you into a ridiculously fast or uh, athlete, or you'll lose a heap of weight very quickly. But what I'm looking at is making making sure that you develop sustainable processes in your body that will eventually uh, pay dividends, and you'll get a lot more out uh, as a return later on down the road. And, and that's really the name of the game. I mean, you know, you want to make those changes, and you want them to be sustainable, and you want them to be, you know part of your lifestyle, right? You don't just want to do things in the short term and just get some results and then off you go and do something else different, right? Yeah, I completely agree. So let's yeah. switch gears a little bit and talk more about the lactate threshold test. Um, mm. Can you just give us a, a little bit of a rundown as to how that test works and then just really briefly like um, how we can start to utilize the data that, that we obtain? Okay, so the, first, the you know, fuel efficiency looks at energy mm. systems, right? It looks at the ability to burn fat. If you're fat adapted, you'll become less reliant on using your sugar stores, which essentially allows you to basically go further and go faster, right? To a certain degree with, with, with the fuel sources that you have. Um, lactate threshold basically looks at your body's ability to clear lactate, all right? Lactate is what your body derives, um, you know, it's part of the energy system as well. Your body breaks down lactate to produce energy. And uh, part of Part of that byproduct of that process is uh, producing lactic acid, uh, and I know that a lot of you know th this is a is kind of a, a what do you call that? Um, people often get very worked up when you talk about lactate and <laughs> lactic acid, <laughs> yeah. you know. And um, um, you know, there's a difference between the two. Lactate is energy. Lactic acid is basically the the accumulation of hydrogen ions as a byproduct in your bloodstream and muscle, right? Um, because it's uh, because um, hydrogen is acidic, that's why your pH levels change, and that's actually what causes uh, that burning sensation and causes your muscles to lose the ability to function optimally. 
Uh, a very clear-cut example is you look at you know track athletes and they run the 400 meters. If you look at the first uh, 350 meters, how what is their running form like? Really good, right? Mm. <laughs> when they get to the last 50 meters, yeah. they they start to lose the the form. They start to lose the turnover, and you know they suffer. Uh, you know uh, the, the 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 ability for the muscles to function optimally drops significantly, right? So the ability to buffer lactate and to keep your lactate uh, lactic acid levels low it's very important um, and you know same with fat burning lactic clearance this process can be trained um, you know i used to say that the human body is is a very smart machine but actually i kind of changed that message now it's actually not that smart you have to show it <laughs> the right process so, you know, so what we do through during the test is we take you through various stages. Obviously, if you're a well-trained athlete, we will interview you before to kind of establish uh, what's your starting point, what's what's you need to start at, what's your stage one. If you're not as fit, then obviously we, we start you off on a much easier protocol. Um, and based on that, you know, for every, every stage, uh, each stage is about five minutes. You run at that speed and then you have a minute break. We take a blood sample. Uh, which basically is measuring uh, blood lactate concentration, right? So what we want at the earlier stages is to obviously have that level being, the concentration level to be low, mm -hmm. which means that your body is buffering it, it's managing it uh, well. So you're, you know, you're going to be able to function at that, uh, at that effort level for a very long time. Uh, but what we're going to do during the test is obviously to push, push the envelope and, and increase the stages uh, progressively. So each stage goes up by one kilometer an hour. And what we're looking for is for the athlete to hit what we call the lactate threshold, which is a certain, uh, it's four moles concentration. Uh, and that's basically when the body absolutely stops clearing or buffering lactate and it's 100% accumulation. It can go very high up, but basically that's when the clearance actually completely stops. And that is basically the point where we can then look back and we can measure and come up with the different zones that can train the different processes. So there's two in particular. Um, one is obviously the lactic clearance zone where your body learns to, to get rid of lactic acid and to buffer it, right? Or to get rid of lactate and clear and produce less lactic acid. The other is what we call lactate tolerance where you will produce more than you can clear and it's about how your body performs under that stress, right? And People usually, I tag it to what people are commonly familiar with, uh, sort of the effort level being tempo effort, for example. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, and yeah, so we look at how the body responds. We look at what kind of curve you have to start with. If it's a good baseline result, great. If it's not, then you obviously got work to do. Uh, when we do retesting, we, we will then look at, you know, how the body has improved. And, you know, lactic threshold testing is one of the main uh, tests that we use to measure performance because, you know, I had one guy come to me, um, his lactate uh, threshold was nine kilometers per hour. Uh, he just started running, picked up running, uh, ran his first half marathon in two and a half hours. Uh, just over a year later, uh, he did, you know, he trained with me, got into the, the program, did the training, you know, um, and we obviously progressively tested him along the way and adjusted his zones as well. Um, by the end of uh, that period, and he was training for, I think he got up, he got worked himself up to the uh, uh, marathon, I think the London, uh, Los Angeles Marathon, LA Marathon. Uh, and he actually, in the lab, clocked 16 kilometers per hour. Wow. So he went from nine all the way up to 16 kilometers per hour. And uh, when he ran the marathon, he basically ran it in 252. So he went from a 230 half marathon to a 252 full marathon in just over a year. That is epic. Wow. Yeah. That's a great and, example of how you can utilize data to get results. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you mm. know why it's so powerful? Because he already knew he was ready to race before he left, like in the final weeks before he went to race. Mm. And that's so important because a lot of times athletes second guess their preparation and they end up trying to squeeze in that little extra session which can be basically undo uh, their, their race performance because, you know, what's the best way to race? You want to race on fresh legs. You don't want to get to the start line and still be recovering from what you did a couple of days before just because you weren't sure if you were quite ready. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. 
yeah, so it's really, you know, getting them mentally prepared as well, you know, and, and confident to know that they've done the work, they've seen the improvements. Okay, now it's time to, you know, we put that aside and we want to sit down and we want to focus on how do we execute the race? How do we run a smart race? How do we get that result that we're looking for? And again, with the numbers, we can actually strategize how an athlete actually runs a marathon, for example. How do they tackle it? You know, um, you know, how do they work with within the means that they, 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 you know, within their abilities to get the best possible outcome on race day? Yeah, absolutely. They've got all the information as to where they perform the best. So I love that you're just taking all that guesswork away. And again, with the retesting, a really excellent way to track and continue to modify your zones. I think too many athletes keep it constant year in, year out and wonder why they aren't getting any better. Yeah. And, and you know what testing is also great for is, and it's actually very important um, to, to highlight is that training does not, uh, you know, through the years of coaching, I've learned this as well. Uh, you know, and I think Phil may have talked about this as well. Some of the other coaches as well. Training is not an exact science. Hmm. Everybody responds differently to different types of training. And us as coaches, it really it's about looking at what works best for this, you know, a particular type of athlete that we're working with. Mm. And the re- that's also the prime reason why I work with coaches as well, you know, as a, and not just, uh, you know, in, in the capacity as a scientist is because, you know, coaches want to know what works best for their athletes, right? I mean, end of the day, if, you know, if I put you on training program A, how do I know whether or not you're responding positively to that training? I mean, yeah, I can look at your, your performance outcomes like, you know, like pace and, and all this, right? But do I actually know, you know, is it a true proper measure of an improvement or, you know, how significant is that improvement? Um, so it's really about eliminating, you know, like eliminating the guesswork and actually looking at that data and utilizing that data to really help the athlete, you know, maybe this athlete is not responding so well. We try a different method of, of training, you know, we change some things around and then we see a, a, a bigger response. So we know that that works for that athlete. You know, so this is the other application of, of testing through a lab. You know, if athletes that already have coaches, you know, it's still good to come and get your testing done because, you know, it's just, you know, it's useful information that coaches can then use to help them as athletes to really get to the next level. Yeah, spot on. I love that. So there's another arm of morph performance that you call catalyst. So just tell us more about that element and what your goals are there. Oh, Catalyst. Okay. Um, Catalyst basically um, was, you know, when I when I was working with athletes, uh, you know, I often had to try to answer all the different questions. Mm. And again, you know, I, I could answer some of them, but am I the best person to address the athlete's needs? Not really. <laughs> some things I could, but not everything. And that's where, you know, when I created more performance, the first one of the first things that I worked on was establishing Catalyst, the expert uh, network of uh, partners, right? And really getting people that were skilled practitioners that sung the same tune, we were on the same page, and we had this vision of, you know, helping athletes develop and supersede what they thought was humanly possible, you know, from for themselves. And, uh, you know, this is where, you know, uh, if someone came to me and they had a nutritional issue, but they wanted, you know, I could give them some information, right? But they wanted something to be, you know, they wanted structure to the way they ate, and, you know, and they wanted to, you know, to have sort of a plan in place there. Then, you know, I would forward them to you, right, Steph, mm. to to work with them on that. Uh, same thing if someone had a, a had a had an injury, uh, you know, they may, maybe they went skiing or something, and they, they or they twisted their ankle on the trail, and they needed to see someone uh, who specialized in uh, running injuries, right? Then I would send them to one of my partners. Um, so it's really about connecting people, connecting practitioners to the uh, to athletes, so that we can get we can nip it in the bud, we can sort out whatever issues or problems they're having. It may not necessarily be problems and issues. It could be they're just looking for, you know, help and some information to, to improve as well, right? But to be able to, to save them time by connecting them with the people who can help them, you know? So, so that's essentially where I created it. And, and I think that, you know, uh, you know, when I was working, you know, when I was an elite athlete, I had a whole team of scientists work with me. Uh, you know, and not just sports science, but again, on the mental conditioning side, on all these other aspects. And it's so important because, you know, sport isn't just go out and run, right, or go out and swim, cycle, run. It, it, it's really more than that as well. 
And I think it's a holistic development that we want to really focus on as well, uh, you know, at, you know, over the, through this journey. Yeah, absolutely. And you, the words, you know, collaboration and holistic, I think, are the highlights there because you're really looking at obviously having a network of people that are on the same page. And I think that's really important for an individual's journey. Um, and it does allow all aspects to be focused on because it's obviously not just about coaching and it's not just about the training and it's not just about the nutrition. There's so much more to it. So that's a really, really exciting space to see as part of Morph Performance. So any yeah. big plans for the future you'd like to share with us, John? Well, I mean, you know, we didn't talk too much on it, um, mm. but, you know, uh, the technology side of things. So besides yeah. the lab, uh, it actually, you know, birthed the creation of uh, Reactor, which is my online training platform. Uh, created that. Um, why did I create that? Basically, you know, sitting down and writing programs for a lot of athletes just got too time consuming. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the more athletes I had, the less time I had for each athlete. And so what I did is, you know, four years ago, I started creating uh, the technology and, you know, creating the architecture for it. And what it essentially is, is um, it allows me to manage uh, more athletes. So I have coaches on board as well, uh, starting to recruit more elite athletes to come on as coaches on, on Reactor. Um, and uh, what we do is we use the technology to facilitate our coaching. Um, you know, two things that come to mind. One is building training programs. Uh, it takes a lot of time to put a program, a customized program together for an athlete. Um, we, you know, with the technology that I've created, um, the system kind of puts it together. And what we do as the coaches is we go into the program that's been, the, the plan that's been developed for the athlete, and we actually uh, put in the finishing touches. So we make it fully customized. So what it is, you know, what it does is it takes away 90% of the work by using the science and technology, understanding the requirements of the athlete based on time frame, based on the level of fitness that they're at, uh, what event they're training for. It puts it all together, in a, you know, and it's all unique per athlete. And then we as the coach will then go in and look at, okay, how do we set certain targets for them, you know, and, and give them very clear targets and goals, you know, and they get a very specific plan that would help uh, address, you know, you know, help them to, their, to, work, to work towards their goal. Um, obviously, you know, you know, athletes adapt along the way or they may encounter issues. Uh, and this is where we can easily go in and update the programs as well. You know, it doesn't take too much time. And the, the cool thing about this is that we, you know, the time that we have back as coaches, we can then put forward to so, like looking after them better, mm. right? We're not limited by the amount of time that we have have we actually have more time back so we can help more people we can come up with uh, you know we can come up with more resources and information that could help uh, them develop as well right so the reactor training system basically it's, it's online uh, you know it sends the programs out you know every day to to the athlete telling them tomorrow this is what you need to do the, uh, you know we can, we've already paired uh, we've integrated with Garmin and Sunto and all that data can be just you know is once you're linked you can just download it immediately you know it just automatically pairs with uh, with the actual system and we as coaches on our side and you as a user on on the system can actually see how you how you fed in today's training against what were the targets set by the training program that we put together for you so it's great because people are now absolutely accountable to what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. They can't run away, <laughs> which is what, you know, my athletes kind of laugh about. They say, you know, that Coach John is always watching what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Literally, I am. I see everything uh, because, you know, and again, the, what you know, that device that you have on your, on your wrist, you know, that you're wearing is so powerful, but most people just don't know how to leverage on that technology right. and that information and data. So what I've done is I've just linked everything together and, you know, and now we collect all that data and we can understand what the athlete is doing uh, anywhere in the world. <laughs> so I've got athletes in the US, I've got athletes in Canada, you know, uh, Singapore, you know, here in Australia. Like I can just, uh, I can see anyone anywhere, you know, and, and just track and, and know what they're doing. And if they're not doing something right, then obviously I, I go in, I step in and I, I address whatever issues I may pick up. Yeah. yeah. And, and, 
and where we're going forward is is basically you know we're working towards building the mobile so it's mobile responsive you can use it on your iPad your iPhone you know on obviously on the computer uh, we are working on the uh, mobile app so make it you know more accessible to everybody uh, and that's going to be you know we're hoping to have that ready by the June July period uh, this year uh, and that's going to be really exciting and uh, again you know um, I'm working with the device companies to work on a way to analyze the data now. So, you know, a lot of times people have all their devices and their tracking it goes up to the cloud and it just sits there. <laughs> Nobody knows what to do with it. Yeah, you're so, right. Mm, what we're working on uh, is, as a side project and we're looking to push that forward is it's a means of analyzing that data so that we know exactly, um, you know, how, you know, we can track in real time how an athlete is responding and build trends based on what we've tracked so far and then you know look at ways in which we can uh, manipulate the training to make sure that they're always getting uh, good quality you know they're getting good quality training and they're always getting uh, physio physiological and physical benefits you know as they move along you know in their training um, I think a large, a last big part of what you know was what has really come about in the last uh, few months when we developed this technology is is really looking at the quality of training, like tra what we call training efficacy. A lot of times people just go out and they just run, but you don't you don't know how effective that sixty minutes was was spent, right? Or what what kind of benefits you got from it. So a large part of what we use the technology for is to look at and measure how effective they are at spending that sixty minutes out there doing whatever workout and how that fits in with their bigger goals. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. I think, again, lots of education but really smart in terms of getting the maximum out of your training and I think it's going to be a dream for all the data nerds out there that are probably really looking forward to looking at other ways to, to analyse their data and obviously continuing to evolve their training journey. So very exciting things to come. Yeah, I mean, yeah, very exciting. Moving at a furious pace, but yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's really, it's really, you know, it's something that again, it's been a long journey as well for me, and it's it's good to see how you know, it's it's good to see it fulfilling itself, and you know, with the data again, I, I think I have to put this in this in this uh, put this disclaimer in that don't get too hung up on yeah. data, you know, it, it's you, you what we call a, a analysis paralysis. That's a term, right? Called analysis paralysis. So we don't really try to put out too much data and go overboard with it but we want to put forward relevant data that you can then make a fair assessment of where you're at right and how you're progressing um, and I think a big part of how everything ties in if you talk about the lab you talk about uh, you know catalyst and you talk about reactor uh, you know the whole vision of moth performance what are we looking to achieve we are trying to help the everyday person save time if they can spend less time and get better results that's what we're about. That's what we're looking to do. We are trying to hack training and we're trying to look at ways in which we can unleash uh, 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 an individual's potential, athletic potential, right, without having them spend more time or spend more and, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. I think hacking training is a great way to put it and certainly teaching everyone, I, I think, you know, everyone needs to have this information, not just athletes, as we touched on, because you know, you can get so much more out of your body when you know how it works and you can use the data but be really intuitive at the same time. So it's the best of both worlds. Yeah, exactly. Nice. And you got time to and you got time to do the things that you love, right? You got time for family, you can go and, you know, chill, you can go and have, you know, meet up with friends and stuff like that. <laughs> Endurance sport can be quite lonely if you invest, especially if you're training for ultra marathons and, and Ironman. It's like you just, it's basically, you just eat, sleep, train, right? Uh, but we want to give that time back. And that's what we're invested in looking at trying to, to fulfill. I think you're going to do a lot for the divorce rates in Ironman as well. <laughs> awesome. It's been so good to chat with you today. Um, I'm sure we'll get you back on the show in the near future, but thanks so much for sharing your knowledge. Before we wrap up, though, can you direct our listeners to where they can learn more about you? Yeah, if they want to, you know, to look at the list of services, uh, you know, and products, uh, basically go to uh, morphperformance.com. Um, you know, we have the blog. Uh, we're going to start to push out more information and teachings through there as well. Um, you know, and again, you know, th that's information on Reactor. That's information on lab testing and where testing is available as well. Uh, we are looking to open up more labs uh, across Australia, in Singapore, uh, everywhere, right? So 
you know, stay tuned and then, you know, hopefully we can bring it, you know, all across the globe and make it accessible for everybody, you know. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Look forward to playing oh, a role our, there. That's also our Facebook and our Instagram uh, and our Twitter account as well. So uh, Instagram is it's basically more performance. Uh, Facebook is also more performance. Uh, Twitter would be morph, morph with John. Yeah, that would be the Twitter account. Uh, yeah, they wanted to just follow what's happening, you know, and get more information from there. Yeah. Awesome. Definitely check out those links, team. They'll be in the show notes. So head there now to follow Morph Performance on social media and certainly head to morphperformance.com to learn more. Thanks again, John. It was great to have you on the show. Oh, thanks, Steph. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.